Mace Francis is a big band composer that hails from Western Australia and he has a new recording out called Isolation Emancipation. And he is our very special guest on this episode of the Australian Jazz and Groove Podcast. Well, it's great to be back with you after a rather lengthy layoff from doing the podcast. And there has been so much going on, as you can imagine, with all of us coming out of the pandemic and lockdown, etc. So, but we're now back for another season of the podcast, and I'm really excited to be able to feature and talk to a wide variety of new guests and artists here in Australia who are pumping out some fantastic original jazz and groove music. So, who do we have lined up for today's show? Well, as I mentioned at the outset, we will be picking the brains of big band composer and musician Mace Francis, who is based in Perth. And as we mentioned, he has a new recording out called Isolation Emancipation. He will be talking to us about how he got into composing for big band and what it was like to study with legendary big band composer Bob Bookmeyer. He'll also be talking to us about what it's like to be the artistic director of Wajo, the Western Australian Youth Jazz Orchestra, and how he's encouraging younger musicians to really embrace big band music. So let's get into the music, and we'll feature a track that our friend to the podcast, Ellie Hoyt, kindly gave us access to, and it's called Speaking in Code, written by another friend of the show, the amazing composer Nat Barch. So here is Speaking in Code, composed by Nat Barch and beautifully sung by Ellie Hoyt. It was when I saw you there Whispering to him quietly In a space could I have been really there Did you think I'm searching for me All alone could I have been Close my 
So that was Ellie Hoyt in a track called Speaking in Code, written by the fabulous Nat Barch. What a fantastic track. Well, we've now come to our very special guest for this episode of the Australian Jazz and Groove podcast. That's Mace Francis. So to be introduced to his music, let's have a listen to the title track of his latest album, which is called Isolation Emancipation. So before we listen to it, let's get into the personnel on this album. And you can imagine it is going to be a big band with Gemma Farrell, Jaden Blockley and Jemima Mills on saxophones. Trumpets are Marty Pervin, Ricky Mallet, French horn, Talia Den, trombones, Stephen Bickley and Mace Francis himself. Piano, Harry Mitchell, bass, Alistair Peel, drums, Bronton Ainsworth. And on voice, we have Lucy Eifler. So this is Isolation Emancipation. We'll have a listen and then we'll welcome Mace Francis to the podcast.
Well, Mace Francis, welcome to the Australian Jazz and Group podcast. Well, yeah, thanks for having me. Thank you so much for agreeing to be on the program and first one for 2022. So nice to have you along and you've got a new album out, Isolation Emancipation. Fantastic title. But before we get into it, um, you're originally, as your website says, from in Victoria and listening to guys rock and roll on guitar and then you managed to end up in Perth writing Big Bang music. How did that transition happen for you? Well, yeah, that was a unexpected sort of turn of events. But, um, yeah, I yeah, grew up in Geelong uh, and it did sort of came to music fairly uh, fairly late, um, you know, as, as a sort of a uh, around 15 or 16 years old, um, started playing guitar because friends of mine are in a band. Yep. And I was like, oh, I want to be in a band. So uh, I got a guitar and joined the band and um, there was a lot of, you know, pointing, you know, put your mm. fingers there, hit the strings <laughs> yep. eight times, move your fingers there. Um, but, yeah, sort of got into really enjoyed um, playing, in ba- playing in a band, hanging out mm. um, and just, you know, just doing that band stuff. So got into, got into it in a big way. Um, my sister listened to lots of music, so I was, you know, heavily influenced by what she was listening to and, um, and then sort of sort of fairly yeah lots of punk and sort of thrash and um you know, you know pub rock and roll and yeah loved all that all, all that stuff but then um one of my sister's friends um were was a jazz guitarist and got some lessons from from him and he kind of steered me into some jazz sort of stuff so um got into jazz fairly quickly um it was just sort of it was sort of nothing i'd really heard before and um i found yeah you know it was like to me you know it was like very technical and lots of stuff going on i was like oh this is very very cool Mm. so um so then um did a there was a tafe course uh in geelong which was a jazz course so after high school i went and went and did that um really enjoyed playing and again lots of bands meeting lots of musicians and um and then some of the people in that course moved to perth to study at at Whopper, the WA Academy of Performing Arts, and they said, you know, you should come over here and do that. So mm. then I did, and I was just going to stay there for the course and then move back, probably move to Melbourne and be a jazz guitarist. But mm. um, that was that was 22 years ago. Wow. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and so, um, yeah, Perth kind of, uh, yeah, captured me and they've, they've been very kind kind to me over here. And, um, yeah, sort of got into uh, – I had no – inkling of being didn't even really know what big band music was didn't have um i went to whopper to sort of study guitar and then um my housemates at the time were listening to sort of modern big band music you know um bob brookmeyer and thad jones and bill holman and that sort of stuff and i was like holy moly this is incredible Mm. um and yeah got into it through that and then there's a there's a big band organization here in WA called Wajo, which I'm now the artistic director of. But I joined that band playing guitar in 2001, mm. and I sort of have never left. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, so yeah, it was sort of a few of those things happening at once, and I just sort of got the bug for playing in and listening to, and eventually writing for big bands. 
and yeah, that's sort of been my main source of uh, a creative outlet since yeah, sort of about two thousand and three, two thousand and four. Yeah, right. I didn't realize that you came from the guitar. So was that something that you still do you use the guitar to compose big band music on, or have you do you use the piano? Is that still heavily part of your arsenal of composing? Uh well, I sort of once I got into more of the big band leading and I sort of I don't play guitar as much um anymore. I don't think I've done a gig on guitar for like five, six, seven years or something. Mm. Um but I still do use it a little bit um to write. Um so yeah, I sort of do a bit of that and you know I've got like a range of piano skills. So like <laughs> you know I could I can't really can't really I can't play piano but I can get some sounds out that I'm trying to figure out. Yep. Um and also you know use you know if if there's multiple things that need to happen at once I'll put it into Sibelius and you know use yep. the playback function there but um yeah sort of a combination of Sibelius guitar and piano to write. So when you got into big band music is that when you got the bug for composing is that what facilitated it sort of like grabbed you. Well, this is something I can definitely write in this style, if we can call it a style. Because just I've listened to your CDs and they're very different. So, but is has that what what grabbed you with composing? Yeah, I I didn't really. I mean, I, I used to write songs for kind of punk bands and the rock bands, like riffs and things. But I never really wrote music until I got into composing for big bands. So. Mm. In at that in the course at Wapo, you can either you everyone starts the course doing all the same subjects, and then you can either choose performance or composition. All right. Um, so going into the course, I was just going to go through to the performance stream, but then you know getting getting this sort of interest in big bands, I took the composition stream of things. So then, kind of all your your focus goes into writing for uh, large ensembles. So. Was sort of yeah, kind of thrown into writing for big bands as sort of the first kind of way of it was sort of the first composing that I really did sort of seriously. Yeah, wow. So you you got in there and you never left the big band, so to speak. You you, yeah. you sort of took it from there, and it's still been your vehicle for composing. Yeah, and it's only it's only until recently that I've sort of started writing kind of more like lead sheet tunes. Okay. So, like, you know, chord progression and melody, um, sort of up until then, it's sort of been just sort of writing for, yeah, writing for the ensemble. Mm. So it's, yeah, it's sort of been a pretty, yeah, an in, oh, it's made sense for me, but kind of looking back on it, sort of a bit of a weird way of getting into composition. It feels like I'm kind of doing it backwards, you know, yeah, right. <laughs> in, a little, yeah. In, a, in a way. Yeah, and you're also playing trombone now. Is that something that's come out of writing for, you know, such brass-heavy music? Is that something yeah, you've well, got into? I'm, yeah, I've always, I'd always wanted to play. Oh, once I started playing, you know, playing big band music and, and being involved in it, I'd always wanted to be in the horn section. So mm. uh, playing guitar was, was fun uh, in a big band, but I, I didn't feel like I was – really in the band i mean playing the count basie stuff where you're kind of doing the freddie green thing and trying to really mm. lock in the rhythm section that feels really great mm. but sort of playing modern big band music where you're sort of 
just sort of yeah you didn't didn't feel like I was in the ensemble so um a friend of mine Andrew Murray uh had a valve trombone that he he didn't um he wasn't using anymore uh and so uh, gifted it to me and wow. because we're both cool. lo- lovers of um of Bob Brookmeyer um yeah so I started yeah learning uh, valve trombone and have sort of just um surrounded myself with people who can play really well <laughs> so <laughs> I get to enjoy playing in a horn section and um and am always the weakest always <laughs> the weakest but I, I I just love um yeah yeah I just love being part of it Taste, I'll surely be so 
I, I noticed on your website you said you got to study with Bob Brookmeyer. Uh, was it in 2004? Yeah. So how did that change your life compositionally? Oh, that was, yeah, that was incredible. So in 2004, I got a um, uh, one of the APRA Professional Development Award yep. uh, things nice. or awards, um, which sort of allowed which allowed me to go to Europe to study with another big band composer, Ed Partika. And he said, well, if you can come over at this time of the year, uh, he's going to, he because he played in Bob Brookmeyer's new art orchestra. So he wow. said, if you can come over at this time, I can get you on the road with the big band. You know, you can kind of help out, you know, mm. carry Bob's trombone and, you know, get <laughs> coffees and tape parts and, you know, just be kind of the band. Um, Go-to guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just sort of, you know. The uh, the lackey that sort of did a well, bunch of stuff. So coffee's very important. So you would have been very important to the band. <laughs> totally, totally. So um, yeah. So I went over and and spent I think it was a, bit, a week or ten days sitting in on rehearsals and uh, yeah, I mean they'd rehearse for seven hours a day for a couple, you know, three days, and then went on the road and saw the performances and and yeah, that ba- I mean that band sounds incredible on the recordings, but they sounded that good live as well. It was just Hmm. I'd never heard I'd never heard a big band like that uh in in real life and it just sort of reinforced um so like, yes this is what I this is what I want to do and this is what I want to be part of it was just yeah incredible I mean it still kind of gives me chills thinking about hmm. just the sound of the that band in the room was just oof yeah absolutely yeah, wow. incredible so so for people that maybe are not aware of Bob Brookmeyer's work how in the big band world, how big is Bob? Like what's what's the, you know, how big is it that you got to work with him and learn off him? Well, I mean, I, yeah, I think he's probably one of the greatest modern big band composers that has been around. I mean, he kind of came out of, um, he came through the Thad Jones, Mel Lewis band. Um, I mean, he, I think he, he, cr- he composed some of the most interesting and most creative big band music that has been. He was the influence, you know, he was the teacher and big influence on Jim, Jim McNeely, uh, Maria Schneider. Right. Any, yep. any, anyone who sort of came after him um, sort of cites him as a, as an incredible influence and, and yeah, just to spend uh, a week and a half with him. And I, I got to, on one of the bus trips, um, I got to sit with him for a few hours and he listened to some of my music and oh, wow. gave critique and sort of gave a, a um, yeah, it was sort of like a, a two-hour lesson. Wow. I learned more in that two hours than I've ever learned in my yeah. life. It was, yeah, it was amazing. Wow, that's fantastic. And did you, yeah, learn a, did you learn a lot from how we managed the band as well? Was that another aspect of it or is, you know, for your own band? Yeah. Oh, the attention to detail in the rehearsals was was something I'd never experienced before. Um, I mean, they'd play they'd – play, a tune through once, you know, at the start of the rehearsal, and I think, well, that's that was perfect. <laughs> and then he'd go through and just like pick it, you know, just the smallest, smallest details, you know, the crescendo in, you know, in this phrase, you know, we're going to start the crescendo, you know, on, on the end of three, and it needs to go a little louder here till the end of four, and then we're going to cut <laughs> off here, and um, and just you know, the cutoffs were. You know, you know, not on beat one, but it's going to cut off just sort of slightly after beat one, and mm-hmm. just yeah, just the attention to detail. You know, the 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 drum fills that he wanted leading into that, 
um, uh, just, yeah, sort of the, you know, the length of notes on, on the hits, you know, sometimes, mm. you know, slightly longer, slightly shorter, you know, and his music's very intricate, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on. The harmony is very dense and yeah, and they just workshop this repertoire just until it was even more perfect. <laughs> Yeah, right. <laughs> um, and, and, and the way that, like, every member in the band as well was just so, was so invested in the music. Mm. You know, they'd, they'd play through, a, you know, an 11-minute piece and the drummer would be like, okay, you know, in bar 83, you know, I heard this thing, are we going to do this? Um, you know, I think the, you know, trumpet three sounded like it hung over a little too long on that chord. Oh, wow. You know, everything, everyone was listening, like, really hard and, and just so much concentration and, and it was like, oh, okay, that, that's how, you know, that, that much um, attention to detail, commitment to the music, that, that's why they, you know, that's why they sound like the best big band in the world. So, yeah, uh, yeah, it was, it was amazing. You must have come back from there just fired up, ready to oh, it's buzzing. really yeah. take your music <laughs> to another level. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's still, it's still something I, I sort of strive for. I know in, in rehearsals sometimes you get tired and it's like, oh, that'll be okay. Mm. But then you sort of think back, oh, what would Bob, Bob do? That- what would yeah. Bob do? <laughs> he would not have let that slide. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it's it's something. It's a good reminder as well. Uh, I always need to remind myself of you know, yeah, what would Bob do? I'm in the mood for love. There's a cloud above 
You've got a new recording out, We, as you mentioned earlier, Isolation, Emancipation. So had a really good listen to it and it sounds fantastic. And I tried to read up in a little bit on it and it, it sounds like you had a, someone in Japan said that you wanted to hear some more happy music <laughs> and this is where this came yeah. from. So did you want to talk about the new recording and sort of the process behind it and what, what would you like to say about it? Yeah, well, it was sort of because, um, yeah, I have, I have another, I have a, I mean, my main sort of, my main band I've had for, well, 17 years now, Mace Francis Orchestra, which is a 13-piece big band. It's sort of usually, yeah, more modern, I guess, you know, darker harmonies, a bit more kind of serious um, music. But, yeah, um, yeah, a friend of mine in Japan, she said, you know, do you, yeah, do you ever write any happy music? It's like, <laughs> I was like, oh, how do how do I take this? <laughs> but yeah, sort of. I, I I understood what where she was coming from. She you know she prefers sort of more kind of commercial, um, commercial kind of jazz, sort of popular jazz. Yep. Um, and you know I do enjoy, I do enjoy that. I guess you know more kind of happy swinging mm. stuff. Basie Band and Bill Holman and um, I really enjoy listening to that stuff. I've I don't often write in that style. Um. Just because I can't, you know, if I could write like Sammy Nestico, I, I would, but I, mm, mm. I can't. Um, but yeah, there was, this was sort of a sort of a chance to sort of think, oh well, you know, I, I enjoy this music, so I'm going to try to write music in this style. So I tried to write music like some Thad Jones, there's some Thad Jones influences in there, um, Marty mm. Pache, um, yeah, Bill Holman influences, some some Mingus sort of stuff. So yeah, sort of just um, happier lighter feeling feeling music and yeah i was sort of yeah happy with how it turned out it was a a band put together um in that sort of marty pace uh plus 11 um style sort of band where it's two trumpets two trombones french horn three saxes piano bass and drums mm. and there's a vocalist as well because uh, yeah i love love those albums yeah art pepper plus 11 and alice swings lightly and just yep. a couple of um, Mel Torme albums and a Buddy Rich album of that. So, yeah, it's sort of a smaller big band and has French horn in there, which is, a, you know, another uh, mm. interesting texture, which I hadn't hadn't written for French horn that much before. So, yeah, right. Yeah, it was just, yeah. And it was a chance to sort of play with some different musicians who I uh, hadn't, hadn't performed with before. So, mm. and I kind of snuck myself. Uh, wrote some trombone parts that I could manage in there as well. So it was, it was a chance to actually perform my music. So I usually sort of stand at the front and mm. wave my arms. Yeah, that would have been a buzz to, to perform yeah. on trombone. Yeah, totally. Yeah, so you've got a vocalist on this and you said, you know, it was some people, like your friend is a bit more focused on commercial jazz, but there's a lot going on in this album. There's a, There's still a lot of big band stuff going on in there that's not just commercial and I wondered how did you approach to write in this style like did you listen to a heap of Thad Jones and Marty Pache or did you just sort of dive into it how did you get prepared to write in that style well yeah the, I mean there's a few few of the tunes I I mean yeah the, I mean the title track Isolation Emancipation is sort of it's a it's a rip off of the Groove Merchant which is a Thad Jones tune so I did it with a so it's the same form. Right. So, um, so yeah, I kind of, you know, looked at, you know, the Groove Merchant kind of, you know, 
there's the intro and then there's you know the melody in the in the saxes and then the the brass play the melody and then there's accompaniment mm. with the saxes and then it goes into a sax soli and then yeah there's there's a solo section and then there's a sort of a brass shout chorus and then the saxes enter so it kind of took took apart the the form of it and the orchestration mm. and added my own melody and and harmony to it yeah, cool. uh, and I did that with a few other a few other tunes i took a a tune marty pace tune called walking shoes and sort of went through you know how he orchestrated um yeah orchestrated the 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 tune um how, how the form is laid out and then you just kind of input your own melody and harmony into it so it's kind of a i find that is a really good way of learning how the the music works without it necessarily sounding like you're stealing anything. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And I found it, I found it when I was teaching, um, arranging as well, it's a really good thing to get students to, to do, you know, to delve into mm. it and, and figure out the form and the orchestration, how things are voiced um, and do that very same thing. And then I realised when I was, you know, telling the students to do this that I hadn't really done much of it myself. Um and so by doing it again, you know, I learned a lot, and yeah, and I was yeah happy with the result. I think some sometimes the the form and the structure, you know, the journey through the tune, uh, is why it's successful. Um, mm. Or that's why I like um, a lot of big band music is, is it's the journey it starts here, it goes there, you know, it gets gets really loud here, it gets really quiet here. There's density there, it lightens out there that's that's sort of the stuff that gets me excited by the music so yeah so i did that with some marty page music some bill holman and some mingus stuff and and yeah i guess the the music is it's not super heavy um but it's also not too light either i, I, mm. I can't really write just sort <laughs> of light super light music
this album is very different, say, for example, to Land Speed Record or the other one, Music for Average Photography, which, you know, has like a, it has that dense sort of vibe mm. to it. So you could tell there is like a bit of a departure from it. But I wanted to just ask you about when you recorded let's go to a different album to the land speed record and you did it at systems Two in New York. Mm. And like we, a lot of people, a lot of us know that that is like a legendary studio. What was it like to, oh, to, to go to New York and was this post being working with Bob Brookmeyer as well? Yeah. I'd met uh, John Gordon uh, at Alto play. He came, he came out to Perth. Um, he was in Australia doing some, you know, teaching and gigs and came to Perth and met with him and, and yeah, just a really lovely guy. And he said, you know, if, if you ever come to New York and want to do a recording, let me know. Nice. So I said, well, it's a pretty good reason to go to New York. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, kind of asked him, and because he'd done some non-ET recordings himself. Um, he has his own non-ET and um, he plays in a non-ET with um, Alan Ferber, which is who's a great trombone player. Mm. Um, so I asked him to put a band together for me. and. Yeah, I mean, it was, yeah, great band. Uh, ended up getting a few Australians on there, uh, Matt Jodrell and that. Yep. Uh, Sean Whalen and um, uh, Matt Cloacy. And, yeah, put together, you know, a really great band and um, went over there, had had two rehearsals. I was like, oh, my God, everything's going to be just fine. <laughs> you know, they're all, yeah, amazing, amazing players. And, yeah, and Systems 2 was just yeah, known of, you know, lots of recordings happening there. And, um, yeah, it was like super easy to work with. Everyone was, you know, you turned up, everything was set up and ready to go. Wow. And we just started recording. Everyone's headphones were working, <laughs> all these things that don't always go, yeah, uh, yeah. go right yeah. at, at a studio. And, yeah, we did, two, I think, two, two five- or six-hour sessions. And, yeah, the band played their ass off and everyone was really mm. kind and, you know, really gave the music everything. And, yeah, it was an amazing experience. I was very, very lucky to uh, get that opportunity to get those those people to, you know, commit to mm. playing, you know, you know, they have no idea who I am or have no need to agree to it. Mm. Um, and for and to get into systems too while it was still open because it's, it's now closed, unfortunately. Mm. Yeah, I heard that. Yeah, what a great experience. So how does it feel when you turn up and you've got this killer band and I could imagine it would be quite nerve-wracking at first, but did you then sort of just sort of warm into it? Uh, yeah, it was, I mean, it was, yeah, it was terrifying because, um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're all, you know, I'd, I'd heard of many of them and um, and sort of, yeah, I mean, I used to watch Matt Cloacy play in Melbourne he was mm-hmm. in a band called, I think, Boplicity or yep. used to drive up to Melbourne to McCoppins and, and see them play. Um, <laughs> they had a regular gig up there and, um, yeah, and, you know, I knew of Sean's playing and, um, yeah. But I guess, you know, once, once you get into rehearsals and the kind of the music takes over and, you know, I had my my job to get across to them what I wanted out of it and, um, you know, and they, they were sort of making sure that, they were playing the music right, so everyone sort of got into their mm. their roles, um, and and then yeah, the, the music takes over. So it's sort of the most important thing in the room is the music, 
Um, there weren't any egos getting involved. It was just, you know, the music was the most important thing and everyone was there to serve the music. And, um, and so it all went well. I think if, um, if it was, you know, some different, if there was some different individuals in there or if I went in with the wrong attitude of, you know, trying to prove myself as this, you know, yeah, (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. Someone who needed to prove themselves. Um, Mm. it could have been very different, but, uh, you know, they they did things as well that wasn't necessarily how I heard my music or wanted my music to be, but mm. it sounded great. So I was like, yeah. okay, let's let's do that. That sounds yeah. awesome because you know they they kind of contribute their own mm. their own voice to it, and um, yeah, and I'm cool with that. Bye. Uh-huh. 
So now that you're the artistic direct, director of Wajo, the Western Australian Youth Jazz Orchestra, yeah. how do you then take these experiences now and then, you know, bring that to your role in helping these younger people to get into this music and develop their skills? Well, I, I try to, I try to, I guess, express or pass on my passion for the music that I really, mm. you know, this music is incredible music. You're like, you've got to listen to this. You know, we're going to play this chart because of these reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so the, yeah, the the enthusiasm, the excitement of the music, and 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 that feeling of you know when it works really well, it feels amazing. Like mm-hmm. we, we, when you've got eighteen people all playing, feeling the time the same, uh, feeling the music together, it's, it's amazing feeling. Mm-hmm. It's um, it's just amplified, and you know, with with that many people. Um, so yeah, I try to I try to get that across to young people. Uh, also, I guess you know working, you know, working hard in a team. You know, everyone contributing uh, is 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 really important, and it and it's worth it. You know, if everyone learns their parts and and he really really plays hard together, mm. um, it's worth it. It's that passion, then. Hey, it's that yeah that passion for the music that comes through. Yeah, which and yeah, and if, if yeah, and if you if you want to play the music, you need to listen to the music, understand the different stylistic um, ways that the different historic bands played, um, and also you know if you you know playing playing in a in a big band is you know owning your part. Mm. So if you're a, if you're a lead player, if you're a lead trumpet player, you know you know you you can give it personality. You know, Snooky mm. Young played lead trumpet different to Errol Garner, who played different to El Pacino. You know, all these different, you know, great lead trumpet players. They they were great because they gave it personality. And you go, mm. oh, that was that was Snooky Young playing because you could just tell the way he mm. shook the note or, you know, his sound, um, his articulation, phrasing, all those sorts of things. So, trying to get young musicians to own those parts. Yeah, is, is is important, and um, and I think people come into Wajo because they just want to continue playing music, you know, out of high school, or mm. um, you know, their high school band maybe isn't up to scratch, so they want to play in something a little bit, you know, a bit more advanced, um, and then they get interested in more of the repertoire and some of the great historic players, and then you know, some people, you know, start studying engineering and go, oh, actually, no, I. Music's where mm-hmm. it's at, and you know, come over and study music at, at the uni. Mm. Um, so it, yeah, it's a really great uh, musical experience, I think, for people to to go through and have all these different opportunities. And also, in the position that I have at Wajo, it's really great to give opportunities to others, which I was fortunate to get. So mm. um, yeah, I've, I've, it's a dream gig. I, I absolutely love. Uh, being part of Wajo. We've got a really good team, uh, great bands. You know, every year the bands get better. You know, mm. the, the young musicians just get better and better every year. So it's very exciting and very inspiring as well just to yeah. see how good these young musicians are, like high yeah. school kids just playing their asses off. Yeah, it's a bit scary, Crazy. isn't it, when you see it's you some of these. Yeah. I suppose yeah. what you're doing is you're really – getting them invested in it, like you were talking about the experience with the Bob Brookmeyer band. That's sort of what you're getting across to them as well, I could imagine. Mm. Yeah, you got to, I mean, it would, um, there's a thing here, Brookmeyer says, 
I've seen it in a few other um, videos and stuff where he's talking about, you know, it might be a long note, but it's the most important thing in the world right now. Mm. <laughs> so when you're playing, when you're playing music, it's just like that's all you need to do right now. So just commit to it. And it can be a note the last four bars, but you've got to play it like it's the most important thing in the world. And that's mm. a really, um, that's, you know, it's a good thing to live your life by. You know, while you're doing something, do it at 100%. Well, thanks so much for being part of our podcast today. And if people want to get in touch with your music, macefrancis.com is the best place to go. Yeah, yeah, macefrancis.com. Um, I'm also, um, yeah, on Facebook and Instagram, yep. um, yeah, Mace Francis. And, uh, yeah, get in touch if you want to, yeah, if you want to know anything more about the music or just hang out and talk about big bands, I'm always up for it. Fantastic. And Isolation Emancipation is out on Bandcamp. I think people can go purchase it there. And Bandcamp, yep. as I know, everyone is the best forum for musicians and artists to music um so yeah if people can do that go and check it out but thanks heaps for being a part of it and it's been really fascinating we could talk forever particularly didn't even get to your phd maybe we can talk about that again another time <laughs> yeah that's another time <laughs> yeah that, but um thank you so much for being a part of the australian jazz and group podcast and hopefully we can catch up very soon thanks mace yeah thank you
So that was following in my footsteps from Mace Francis's 2014 release, Music for Average Photography. What a fantastic name. Well, now I'm super stoked to play for you a track that is coming out on my next recording on September the 5th. The recording will be called In the Blood. And the track we're going to feature now is one called Another Green. Now, some of you may realize this is an older one of my tracks, but it's been reimagined. And I'm super excited to have the wonderful Brianna Coleyshaw sing the lyrics that have been penned to this old tune. Now, on this album, we also have um, a very fantastic quartet of Adish on piano, David Gooey on guitar, Adam Donaldson on the drums, and on this track, also Dave Dower playing a bit of keyboards. You'll also hear the fantastic soprano work of Brisbane-based um, saxophonist Ben Byrne. Now, I'm super excited to be able to play this. This is the first listen of this track, and I hope you enjoy it. Out on September the 5th, and this is a track called Another Green. Shades of green and blue appear As the music paints a scene With each note a stroke of a brush
another green off my latest album entitled in the blood which will be out september the 5th 2022 yes a shameless plug and on that album i've been so fortunate to have other vocalists like ellie hoyt simon watson and also a fantastic instrumentalist lachlan hawkins on the handpan as well as the other artists that we mentioned earlier well that's it for another episode folks it's in the bag and thank you to mace francis for taking the time to talk to us about his music and a big thank you to all that have got in touch of late asking us when the show will return and now it's back so next episode we'll be talking to brisbane drummer composer and educator and all-round legendary great guy david cochrane about his new educational book on drumming his music and also the brisbane music scene which he is a major part of so until then thanks for listening to the australian jazz and Groove podcast and my name is david galea and it's bye for now